the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we forgive that person, the prisoner is set free. We're that prisoner. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Genesis 28. I entitled this message, Off and away. Last time, Jacob, with the help of his mother, Rebecca, deceived, hoodwinked, and pulled the wool over the eyes of Jacob's father, Isaac. Yes, because of the manipulation and deception, Esau now wanted to kill his brother, Jacob. His plan was to wait till his father, Isaac, died. Yes, when anger and bitterness are left to simmer and boil inside of us, the end result will surely be sinful. At best, it will cause us great grief and anxiety, and at worst, it will cause the outcome to do what? To come out of us with a a rage, a hostility, and in this case, the very thoughts of murder. This is why the Bible puts so much emphasis on forgiveness. For when we forgive the person who has cursed us, when we forgive the person who's caused pain in our life, when we forgive that person who's causing hardship with us, we find that it sets a prisoner free. And that's when we learn that the prisoner was us. You know, those people that cause pain and hardship, you know, they could care less, right? But we're the ones that carry all the grief. And so every time we see them, oh, it just causes pain inside. Every time we think about them, if we, if it's a family member, we're at some family gathering, we see them across the room. It's just like, oh, I just want to leave. I don't want to stay here any longer. See, when we forgive that person, the prisoner is set free. We're that prisoner. Yes, it's like it's something that is so important for us to recognize. Remember, God is only asking us to forgive others. Why? Because he has already forgiven us. So if we choose with our own free will to refuse to forgive those people that have harmed us, to those who have wronged us, remember what Jesus has said to us. In the Sermon on the Mount, about in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew six fourteen, Jesus said, For if you forgive others for their transgression, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you 
do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. Wow, did you hear that? If we won't forgive others, God's not going to forgive us. Man, that is a sobering thought to say the least. Yet we must understand, Jesus is not saying to forgive others because they somehow deserve our forgiveness. He's not saying that at all. He's just saying forgive others because we have been forgiven. And obviously, we didn't deserve it either. I mean, when we sin, when we've done the worst things of our life, think about the worst things that we've done. Did we deserve God to forgive us? Absolutely not. And so these people that have harmed us, they don't deserve forgiveness. Man, they dogged us. But yet, that's not the point. The point is the fact that God has forgiven us. We need to forgive others. And again, like I pointed out just a moment ago, It sets us free because now we're no longer tied up with that person. We can just let it go and move on where the Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind and, and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Well, getting back to our text here in Jacob, since he, with the help of his mother, as you remember from last time, deceived his father Isaac out of the blessing that Isaac intended to give to Esau, the older brother, which of course we know was not God's will because God's will was for Jacob to have the blessing. That's why he told Rebekah, he said, look, the older is going to serve the younger. But yet God didn't need the manipulation of Rebekah to perform his will. See, God is always more than able to unfold his perfect plan. He didn't have to have Isaac's wife deceiving him and setting up her son to lie to his father. That was not necessary. Yes, and it's not necessary for you and for me to lie and cheat and whatever to help God out with his plan or what have you. He doesn't need our help whatsoever. In fact, the more we, quote, help God, the more we can prolong God's will in our life. We can actually make it much worse. Why? Because we simply get into God's way. I like what God said in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. He says, for my thoughts, now this is God speaking. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God's like, I don't think like you think, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God just doesn't think like we think. He doesn't, his his mode of operation is not the same as what ours is. So God's saying, would you, would you step aside and allow me to work here? Consider that for a second. God has created the heavens and the earth. He's created everything that's known and unknown. He has made everything. Do we really think that God somehow needs our help for his perfect will to actually transpire and to happen in our lives? If we want God's will to unfold in our lives, then we must do this. What? We must set back. 
And we must simply just draw close to the Lord through his word. You want God's will to unfold in your life? Then obey his commandments. Again, I think the reason that we quote help God out so many times in our lives is because we really just want our will. Yes, many times we decide what we want and therefore we pray for that very thing. We want that particular job. So we pray, Lord, get me that job. That's what I want. That, we're not asking, well, Lord, why don't you give me the job that you know that I should have? No, I want that job. Or as guys, of course, you know, when we were single, you know, we're like a bunch of cavemen. We see the woman. Yeah, we want woman. Yes, we want the foxy one. Yes, we want the good looking one. We want the one that's just drop dead gorgeous. Lord, I want that woman. And of course, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like, man, thank God he doesn't hear our prayers. You ladies, you know, when you're single, it's like you see that, you know, hunk of hunk of burning love, you know, Mr. Stud Muffin, and you want that guy, the cool guy. But what if that guy's heart is not a heart that's really going to meld together with your heart? What if he ends up being just a total jerk? All of a sudden, what he looks like doesn't really matter much anymore. It's going to matter how he acts. But what if... Our will, again, because the point is this, what if our will is not God's will? I mean, what if, what if we're praying for something that is absolutely not God's will for us? And just what if his will and his plan is so much better than yours? I mean, do you really want God to give you what you're asking for? I mean, it's ridiculous. Of course not. Understand, it's not wrong to pray for something that we desire. It's not wrong. You can pray for the desires of your heart as long as we end that prayer with, but God, you know what? Not my will, your will be done. Yes, our Father in heaven, he always knows best. Well, we'll pick up, of course, in Genesis chapter 28. We'll pick up in verse 1. So Isaac called Jacob, and he blessed him. And charged him, and he said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padam Aram and the house of Bethel, your mother's father. And from there, take yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Verse 3, may God Almighty bless you and make the daughters of Laban your, uh, or make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessings of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojourning, which God gave to Abraham, talking about his grandfather, of course. Then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aram to Laban, the son of Bethel, the Armenian, and the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob. And he sent him away to Padam Aram to take uh, himself a wife from there. And when he blessed him and he charged him saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Verse 7. And that Jacob had obeyed his father. This is Esau looking and saying, well, gee, my dad blessed Jacob again, my little brother. And his mother had gone to Padam Aram. And so he says in verse 8, So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. 
And Esau went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, remember he married the two heathen women, he says, uh, Mahalah, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaroth. Okay, well, that was a lot of text there. But let's break it down here because it's there for a reason, and it all makes sense here as we break it down. Now, chapter 28 begins where chapter 27 ended. Isn't that a profound statement? We must remember where we left off, though, in chapter 27 last time. Let me read the last verse of chapter 27 again. It says, Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because the daughters of Heath, if Jacob, my little baby, if my boy takes a wife from the daughters of Heath like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Well, as you remember, Jacob's brother, the older brother by what? One or two seconds. The other brother, Esau, he had married not one, but two unbelieving women from the very same people, these heathen women. And this broke, the Bible says, both the heart of Isaac and Rebekah. You know, the Bible said back in Genesis 26, 34, it says, when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Basmath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Well, some of you that are listening, you've had uh, your parents, you uh, had children that have, have displeased you. They've gone out in the way of the Lord. You've raised them up in the way of the Lord, and they've gone away from the way of the Lord. And they've, they've gone the way of the world and all of these things. And any parent that's brought up their children, you know, to know and, the, and to love God, and, and they've gone off and they've married non-believers it, it is literally a total heartbreak, not just for the parents, but it will be for the person who married the non-believer, for the offender themselves. Because one day, guess what? The honeymoon's over. I mean, look, when you first get married and you turn your apartment or your house into a la Garden of Eden and you're strutting around and you're just having, man, this is the greatest thing ever, you know, with your wife or your husband or whatever, that's all great. But one day, the honeymoon ends, and you're stuck with that person that you vowed yourself to, that you committed yourself to, that you went into a covenant relationship with. And it's like, so that one day, that that thing comes to an end, and all of a sudden now, it's bare-bones life, and you're living it, and you made your bed, and you have to sleep in it, and huge problems will come up in that time. Every time you go to a family gathering, they don't fit in with your Christian family. They're always doing something else. What happens when you have children? How are you going to raise those children? For how how are you going to raise them in the way of the Lord if the other person could care less about those things? Yes, this is a very tough and difficult situation that people get into. They don't count the cost. They don't realize what all is down the road when they fell in lust, and that was about it. Well, anyway, Rebecca said to her husband, 
Esau has already grieved and broken both of our hearts with marrying these two girls that don't believe in our God. Are we just now going to stand around, hubby? Are we going to watch the same thing happen here with Jacob? It's like, are we going to do this? Now, this was a twofold thing. One of it is, yes, she did not want Jacob to marry one of the heathen girls that are around there, one of the party girls. So that was part of it. But the other part was because she usurped God's will by going in and making the whole thing work herself, by lying to her husband Isaac and causing her son to lie to his dad, now Esau's red, fought, hot fired mad. And so she's got to get her son out of Dodge here so that Esau doesn't kill him. So it's a twofold thing. One of it is true. She doesn't want her son to marry a heathen woman, but the other is, I got to get him out of here. So instead of just going to Isaac and saying, hey, I did this thing. It's all my fault. And maybe you can smooth things out with Esau. She just would rather continue to manipulate the situation and get Jacob out. So, uh, you know, so then she just says, look, we got to get him out of here. What's the meaning of my life if both of my sons marry heathen women here? Now, again, remember, uh, Rebecca couldn't have children until Isaac had prayed for her. For when God opened her womb, uh, she that's when she conceived uh, Esau and Jacob. Well, Isaac heard the pleas of his wife, Rebecca. You know, it's like, all right, I got to take care of my wife here. I got to get Jacob out of here. So again, with all that said, Isaac tells his son, Jacob, you got to get out of Dodge. You have to go. So go ahead and get out of here. Go to your uncle Laban's house. This is Rebecca's brother and pick a wife who knows the Lord. Pick someone from our family and multiply and grow as a people, son. So Isaac was obviously uh, convinced that the blessing was now to go to Jacob because he's blessing him again. And he reminds him of it as he prays God's blessings on him uh, another time all over again, as we already read here. And taken to a good note here, he says, I want to to stop and to glean something from this point right here. You know, because what Jacob did in verse 7, he says, I obeyed my mother and my father. So verse 7, you know, after he gets all this blessing from his dad and everything, what's the bottom line? What's Jacob's attitude? He obeyed his father and his mother. See, and again, that's a good thing to glean from on how we should obey what we're told to do. And when we do, the blessings of God will follow us. See, it's not like rocket science here. You don't have to be a a major, you know, uh, Bible theologian here. When you do what God says to do, it brings God's blessing on your life. See, many times we just want to claim the blessings of God. We want to, you know, we want to pray the blessings of God on ourselves. Well, listen, all you do is obey God, do what he says in his word, and the blessings of God will come upon you. I like what the Bible says in Proverbs 8.32. He says, now, therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are those who keep my ways. 
blessed or happy, happy is the person who keeps my ways. God said, hey, you want my blessings on you? You want my favor? You want my angels to stand guard around you? Then do what I've asked you to do. Go where I ask you to go. Do the things that I've told you to do, and my blessings will be upon you. Yet notice so here how Esau, after seeing this whole blessing go down on his younger brother again, realizing that Jacob received all this favor from his father, now he tries a pathetic and desperate attempt to regain the praise of his father. So he goes to Ishmael's family, his father's half-brother, as you remember, he was the son that was born to uh, Abraham through the maid Hagar. So he was the half-brother of uh, Isaac here. Uh, and, And by the way, he's already dead. If you remember in our previous studies, he died back in chapter 25. But now he tries, this is Esau, he's trying to write the wrong that he did by marrying the two heathen women because he knows that really torqued his parents. He knows that it grieved and broke their heart. So so he marries this Mahalath, this daughter of his uncle, basically, uh, Ishmael. And so Esau, the only reason he did this, it was a feeble attempt to gain, again, back the favor of Isaac. Like somehow I can manipulate this situation and get the blessing to come back to me. Because he still, you know, in the midst of this, he still kept the other two heathen wives. So this was just a, a maneuver, you know, politically correct maneuver. I'm just going to act like I'm doing the right thing. And he never got rid of the two other wives, you know. And so he tries to do this thing. But, you know, listen, God has already rejected Esau. There, there's no there's no getting around it. You know, remember Esau, the last time he said he sought Uh, that blessing with tears, and it just wasn't going to happen. Now, obviously, this is not going to have any effect on his position at all. And I think that we need to learn a point from this ourselves. We can always learn from everything. In fact, I find myself uh, learning more from when people do things wrong than when people do things right. I don't know why that is with me, but when I watch somebody and they're doing something wrong and then they get totally burned by it, I'm like, hmm, I don't want to do that because I don't want to get burned by the same thing they got roasted on, okay? But know this, making an outward change when there is really no inward effect in our own heart is just a waste of time. For God not only sees our deeds, but he also searches our hearts at the same time. So if you're just trying to do something outwardly to manipulate a situation and look good, but your heart's not in it, understand, God searches our hearts. He knows us. He knows everything we do. In fact, the Bible says in the judgment time, when we stand before the Lord, he's like, we're not just being judged on what we did but we're being judged on the motive of the heart of why we did it. So you could do the right thing. Yes, I went and mowed my neighbor's lawn because they're not feeling well, or I went and did this, or I helped an old lady across the street, and whatever. And there there could be a ton of good deeds. Just name one of them. But if you did it to be seen of men, yes, if I do this, I'll look good, and I'll get pats on the back. Guess what? There's no reward for that in heaven. 
because God knows your heart. You just did it to be seen of men. So it's like, you know, take your pat on the back because there's no reward in heaven. That's why God says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Meaning if you're going to do things for the Lord and you want him to be glorified in that, then just do it as unto him. That's what it means. Don't, don't do it to be seen of men. Do it to be seen of God. If you do it any other way, then you know what? God's just like, well, you know what? Have your, uh, you know, whatever your pat on the back is and whatever your glory is telling other people of all the great things you did because there is no reward for that in heaven. Absolutely no effect on us at all. Yet if we find ourselves in sin and we truly repent of what we have done in our heart. See, if Esau would have truly repented in his heart, if he would have truly changed from the inside, and he would have tried to make amends for the things that he did wrong, then God would have forgiven him, just like he'll forgive us. And I'm telling you, when you truly repent before God, God will forgive you, and he will cleanse you, But you have to be sincere in your heart. And then he will defend us. And then he will pour his favor upon us. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789 Los Angeles, California 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.